zippity doo zippity a oh my, what a wonderful day. Days like today are great because we can sing one of my favorite songs, and it's like for real, and that is Singing in the Rain. Uh, the songs of faith that we've been singing today, uh, you, you, you probably notice this every week, but the songs of faith that we've been singing today are the, the theme there, the truths that we're singing are so closely connected to the message uh, from the Word of God that we are, are reading and looking at as well. And so it was uh, a beautiful, uh, wonderful time of singing praise with you all today. Uh, you're like, we're still in the wilderness? Feels like it's been 40 weeks in the wilderness. Uh, today we are wrapping it up. So this, uh, this is us tying a bow on the book of Numbers. And so that's, that's what's taking place uh, right now. I want to read a portion of a passage of Scripture from the New Testament that we began this series with. And this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, God... Uh, very closely links the wilderness experience to our journey of following Jesus today. And so we want to read a portion of that scripture that we began that series with again right now. And, and as we read, and you can follow along on the screen or in your copy, 1 Corinthians 10, as we read, notice the pronouns. If we notice the pronouns, no, pronouns here, and there's a lot of them, that will, will help us see this connection between the wilderness and us. So here we go, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. Now we're going to skip down to verse 6. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we... Put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble, as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Almighty God, thank you for your word. We believe that it is true. We believe that it is relevant. So our prayer is open our eyes to see the wonderful things here. Amen. We began this series a few months ago, and a couple of weeks after that, uh, Katie Clifton, uh, one of our friends here at Holland Chapel, uh, uh, she, she, she said, oh, I want to see these lessons from the wilderness. And so she uh, decided to study the book of Numbers on her own. And then she had a social media post about that and about the lessons uh, that, that, that she saw in the book of Numbers as her study. And I'm going to invite Katie uh, to come up right now and share just a little bit about that. 
Uh, Katie and her husband Jared are often in the Connect Corner uh, uh, talking with and praying with uh, folks here at our worship gatherings. And so, Katie, uh, thanks for uh, coming up and sharing a little bit about how uh, you've experienced God in this study. Um, On May 2nd, Pastor Todd actually kicked off this series, and I was going back uh, through my notes from Lessons from the Wilderness, and I wrote down that he had said the already, not yet. The Israelites had already received the promise, but they were not yet experiencing the promised land. And this resonated with me that day. 2020 was rough, I think, for all of us. Um, Within six weeks of 2020, there was a global pandemic. My husband and I both lost our jobs. Our four kids were doing virtual school. My grandmother passed away, and then my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer. So I felt like I was in a season of life that felt very much like a wilderness. And the Lord has led me through so many past unknowns, and I know him to be faithful and steadfast. A lot of people like wish that life had a manual that came with it. And I know as a believer it does because we have the word of God. So as Pastor Todd preached that Sunday, um, I knew that this teaching would be beneficial to carry me through this season. So I set out to study numbers on my own and to see what lessons I could learn from the Israelites and from the Lord. One of these lessons was that even God's promises have boundaries in the wilderness. The promised land boundary that God gave the Israelites, it was more than enough for them. It had exceeded all of their expectations just as he does for me. And he tells us how far to go. It's not us setting the boundaries. It's always him. His boundaries are for our protection. His limits are for our good. And his limits are birthed out of his love for us. I just hope that this encourages you to spend time in God's word on your own. Because even though we have such great teachers here at Holland Chapel, if the only time that we are being spiritually fed is on a Sunday, then we are going to be spiritually malnourished. So I hope that this just reminds you of God's steadfastness, love, leadership, discipline, and provision, even as you might be in a wilderness. Thank you, Katie. Katie, uh, your, uh, yours and Jared's, uh, your faith, your trust in God is such an encouragement to, to all of us. And so thank you, uh, thank you very much uh, for being willing to share, share that and, and being bold about your faith in Jesus. God uh, clearly does not want us to forget what happened with Israel in the book of Numbers. And uh, this just, I want to show you the kind of series overview that we began with. And these are uh, some of the lessons, some of the episodes that we looked at uh, to hear from God uh, during these past couple of months. Uh, We were in number six, and we saw God blessing the people of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you. Uh, We were in Numbers 9, and we saw how God was present with the people. And he wasn't waiting on the other side of the wilderness, but he was with them and leading them through the wilderness in the pillar of cloud and fire. We got to Numbers 11, and there was some complaining and grumbling and whining, which we're all prone to do. And we saw how God worked uh, through that episode. Uh, We were in Numbers 13, and this is where there was a a real battle between belief 
and unbelief, a real struggle between belief and unbelief in the Israelite camp as they were really ready to enter the promised land at this point. But the majority of the leaders had unbelief and they did not trust God to come through on his promise. There were a couple, Joshua and Caleb, who believed God to fulfill his promise. But we saw that struggle of belief versus unbelief, trusting God uh, for, the, the, for, for today and tomorrow or not trusting him. Then we were in Numbers uh, 21 and we saw Moses, uh, under the, the direction and the guidance of God, uh, set up a, a bronze statue of a snake on a pole. And if the people would just look at that, they would be healed. And that gave us a picture of how Christ must be lifted up. And all who look to him will receive healing and forgiveness of their sins. And then, uh, and then just last week, we were in Numbers 25, and we saw the, the people of Israel trip up by Balaam and, 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 and sin and turn away to worship idols instead of worshiping the one true God alone. So that's where we've been. And now we're on the other side of the wilderness experience. And Numbers 33 is what we're going to look at this morning, so you can turn there. Numbers 33, we're on the other side of the wilderness experience. It's been about 40 years for the people of Israel since they left Egypt, since God delivered them from Egypt. It's been about 40 years. Now they've been through this wilderness, they've had all these experiences with God, and they're looking at the land of Canaan. They are ready to go in and inhabit the promised land. And we read this in Numbers 33, beginning in verse 1. This is the route the Israelites followed as they marched out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Verse 2. At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. These are the stages of their march identified by the different places where they stopped along the way. And then we have a long list of all the places where they stopped, all the places where they camped during this wilderness experience. And we move to the end of that list and we pick up in verse 48. They left the mountains east of the river and camped on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River across from Jericho. Along the Jordan River, they camped from Beth Jeshimoth as far as the meadows of Acacia on the plains of Moab. So we read this passage. And, and in verse 2 says, At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of all the stops they made, of all their progress through this wilderness experience. And then at the end of this, we, 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 have, we have this account place after place that they stopped. And so we ask the question, what is the theological significance of this passage? Why does God have this here for us? And I believe the answer is to recount God's faithfulness in the wilderness. Re Moses here is recounting God's faithfulness through this wilderness experience. They're able to look back at these 40 places covering the 40 years. And it reminds the readers of the great obstacles that the nation has overcome. And if God had helped them thus far, if God had been with them through all of that, if God had helped them thus far, then he'll surely help them reach the goal, cross that Jordan River into 
the promised land. Throughout their wilderness experience, stop after stop that's listed here in, in chapter 33, in spite of their rebellion, in spite of their grumbling, in spite of their complaining, in spite of their unbelief, God was faithful. And this gives them confidence that he will continue to be faithful. They could look at each place on this list and they could see the evidence of God's presence with them. At every stop, they could see God provided for us here. God spoke to us there. God disciplined us here in that place. God gave us victory there. Every spot they could see evidence of God's presence with them. Now, we could take this a step further. He was faithful with Israel, and he's been faithful with his people throughout history, even unto today. So we could recount God's faithfulness in Christian history. We can, look at, uh, we can look at history and see God's faithfulness. He did send a deliverer, a Messiah, Jesus Christ. And then, and then we know of the spread of the church. We know there was persecution, but also the perseverance of the church. We see in those first few centuries A.D., the church councils and creeds uh, that were setting down statements of faith. For right doctrine. We see then the Bible translation and God using people and, and movements to, to see the Bible translated into English and, 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 and so many other languages, which is still going on today. We can look in history and see God's faithfulness in the Reformation. We can see his faithfulness and, and evidence of his presence in the revivals throughout history, like the Great Awakening and revivals that have sprung up in different lands. So we can do that on a larger scale. And now this morning, what we're going to spend the majority of our time doing is bringing it back to a personal level and recounting God's faithfulness in our pilgrimage, recounting God's faithfulness in your journey of following Jesus. Psalm 9-1 says... I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. The psalmist is thinking about his life. He's thinking about how God has been present with him and how he's delivered him through some tough, tough times. And he says in Psalm 9, verse 1, I will recount all of your wonderful, day, all of your wonderful deeds. I'll think back. I'll record them. I'll tell others of them. Just as Israel could look back over their wilderness experience that we've been in for a little bit and see God's faithfulness, we can look in our lives, in our journey of following Jesus, and we can see his presence as well. They were on a, on a journey to the promised land. We're on a pilgrimage to a much sweeter promised land. And Jesus is with us all the way. Stop after stop. Uh, there's a next graphic up here has a, has a little bit of a road map and you see different milestones or markers along the way. And this can be a visual of our, of our lives and we can look back at those markers and those, those markers there are like in Numbers 33, the different places where Israel camped. And those markers for us can be 
places, can be people that we can look back in our history and see God's faithfulness. We can see his presence. He helped me through that difficult time. He was faithful and he used that person to draw me closer to him. I experienced God's peace in this time. And that's what we're going to do today. This is a spiritual formation exercise. Uh, personally, every few years I'll do this. I'll get out paper and pen and I'll, uh, a few tips on, on how to do it instead of just thinking about it just kind of in general terms is I'll divide my life up into fifths. And so I've got sections and all you have to do is divide your age by five. And I'm getting close to 40. And so right now my fifths would be segments of eight years. And, and, and I'll look back and then I'll think of, of key words or phrases which we're about to walk through. And I'll think about where those have shown up in my life and how I've seen how God has used that, how he's been faithful, how he's been present through those different places uh, or people. And so we're going to walk through this, and I'm going to share some examples as we move along. And I encourage you to be thinking and reflecting on your life as, as we move through this spiritual formation exercise. So uh, one, one key word to think about in this as you're thinking about recounting God's faithfulness in, in your pilgrimage or your journey is heritage. And some questions you could ask here are, how have geographical locations affected me? How's my culture influenced me? What spiritual heritage have I received from my parents or my grandparents? And I've uh, visited with other folks and I've asked folks, okay, where has this shown up in, in, God, in, in your life? How has God been faithful to you in this area? And here are a couple of responses that I received. Uh, one person said, when I was a kid, I experienced God's love and presence in the home daily. Uh, received a solid foundation in the Christian faith. Among extended family who lived in the area, we were the only ones who were really following Christ. And I can remember noticing how our family life was different and healthier than those around us. Another person, in thinking about their heritage and, and, and kind of where they've, they've come from, and they said, I was born into an alcoholic home. And throughout my childhood, it grew worse. So while things were chaotic at home, I found my peace and belonging in church. Church, the community of faith, was the safe place, was the refuge for me as a child. Another uh, key word uh, to, 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 to think about that might help us put some, some markers in our life to recount God's faithfulness is heroes. Who has influenced me for, for good? And who have I looked up to and modeled my life after? Um, who has inspired me? And this is going to be maybe people in your life that have shared the gospel with you or who have been an example, a model of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Here's a couple of responses that people, that people shared. When I was 18, a friend's family led me to faith in Jesus. Frank was my friend's dad, and he was a pastor in a local church. He's definitely one of my heroes and played a huge role in my faith those first few years. You see, no one else in my family was a believer, so they would give me a hard time about Jesus and about church. But Frank showed me what it meant to have a, a real relationship with Christ. Another person shared, uh, as a kid, I think I took our student pastor uh, in the church for granted. He would spend time with us students. He would show up at our events would have fun, would teach us about Jesus. But at the time, I didn't realize how special that was. 
Now, knowing him as an adult and seeing how he treats every person as if they are special and deserve his time and attention, I really appreciate what a role model he was. And so we can think about people that God has used in our life to, to, to point us, to draw us closer to him. And we can say, yes, God, God was faithful to me. He, he had that person, that individual, that model, that witness in my life. Uh, another phrase uh, to think about our, our high points. What events stand out as highlights in your life? Uh, are there people or places that have brought you great joy? What points in your life have you made the contrib greatest contribution to others? And this, so this may be a season of life uh, when there was just great peace and joy. This may be an accomplishment or, or an achievement uh, that's really significant in your life. Uh, in your story. A couple of examples of how people have seen God's faithfulness and recounted God's faithfulness through high points are, are here. Uh, there was about a three-year period when I was in college, uh, when I was getting involved in a local church and in campus ministry, being a part of teams that were working together to advance the name of Jesus was awesome. And it became clear to me during that little three-year stretch that I would always be involved in serving Jesus. So see, someone can look back and see, man, God was really shaping me and using me and, and growing my passion. And, and it, it was solidified in that time that I would continue to follow, to, to follow and serve Jesus. Another person, a friend of mine shared, uh, my wife and I weren't really following hard after Christ. Uh, we, were, we were kind of starting to think about how Jesus should be affecting our life. We were kind of starting to, to think about looking for a church, but we weren't there. And then, uh, of all places, we met some Christians at a yard sale who were from a local church, and they invited us to come check it out. Uh, we did, and then after that, we went all in for Jesus and having him be Lord and have control over our lives. We went all in with being committed uh, to that local church, and it was a great time and the start of a great adventure. And then the last kind of phrase that we want to think through that you can use uh, for this spiritual formation exercise is hard times. Because God can use even the hard times. God can use even the valleys, and we can experience his presence there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? The Lord is our shepherd, and we can experience his presence even in those hard and difficult times. Lamentations is a short book in the Bible. You can flip over there. The scripture will also be on the screen. Lamentations is, is a, a short book in the Old Testament, sandwiched right in between two, uh, <laughs> two, two big ones, two monstrous ones. Uh, Lamentations there. Uh, is just what the title says. It's a lament. Times were horrible in Israel. What had happened was they had gone into the promised land, but because of unfaithfulness, because of rebellion against God, they, their home had been destroyed and had been taken from them. And so Jeremiah, the author of Lamentations, of this lament, writes this. So think about this hard time and think about 
how he can still see the evidence and still trust in God during this time. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 19. And as I read this, I can just see the tears from the author, in the author's eyes. I can, I can, I can feel the emotion as we, as we read this. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Maybe you've been there. We've had hard times that are just so bitter that we never really get over. This is it. And then he says this, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never, ever, ever ends. His mercies never cease. And I want to invite you to read verse 23 out loud with me. One, two, three. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Let's read that one more time. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Some examples of this, real-life examples that people shared with me. Uh, someone said, and this is a hard time. One day, I received a text from a close friend stating where he was and that he was about to take his life. I called the police. I rushed there, but it was too late. He had already gone through with it. I then accompanied the sheriff to his house to tell his wife. I've got a lot of hurt and a lot of questions about that. Not many answers. But this is one thing I think about. It's a passage from 2 Corinthians that says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort others with that same comfort. And he says, every situation is different, but I do now have a heightened sense of what others may be feeling and thinking when they're going through hurt and loss. And it helps me to, to be able to comfort them some with that comfort that I received from God. So his hard time was a hurt and loss and unanswered questions. Um, another friend's hard time was, was figuring out kind of purpose in life, a new direction in, in life. What do I do? Uh, what do I do? What does God have for me? And then thinking about careers. And this person said, all my life I had planned to pursue one career. Since childhood I had dreamed and prepared for this job. I made it. I was in. I was living the dream, but it turned out to be not all I had imagined. 
And then after a few years, I left this career. So I was searching, what am I going to do with my life now? I had just gotten married. I wanted to make my wife proud. What am I going to do? I wanted to help people. But how? What job? And that period of searching, that hard time, led me to the firefighting profession. Over 15 years later, I'm still living that new dream. At the fire station, the beginning of every shift, we pray that God might use us to help someone in need. So recounting God's faithfulness, it's what Moses was doing with the people of Israel at the end of their wilderness journey. Recounting God's faithfulness, that's what we can do as sort of a spiritual record. And and we can see how God has been faithful in our life. We can see how he's been there uh, for us. Uh, We can, uh, we can, we can, it can help us prevent us from repeating past mistakes as we recount how we've experienced God in the past in our life. I would encourage you to give this some more thought and actually take action and, 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 and work through this and record uh, your journey with God and, and then recount it, tell it to someone else. Here's, here's the deal. When we do this, we see God's presence in our past and it strengthens our faith to know that he'll continue to be with us. And that's just what he promised. In Matthew 28, Jesus gave the church a mission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them how to follow me. And then he gave this promise. And surely, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age, and he will be with us to the end of the age, faithful, faithful, faithful. Here at Holland Chapel, uh, there are a few ways you can respond at worship gatherings. Uh, when we dismiss in a moment, you can stop by the Connect Corner and, and, and visit with one of our friends there. They'd be happy to visit with you. Uh, you can also make sure and turn in a Connect card Uh, mark any spiritual decisions, any prayer concerns you have, you can drop those in. And then also you can take action. And uh, I would encourage you to do that just by recounting God's faithfulness in your pilgrimage of following him. I want to pray. And then uh, we're going to sing one final song of God's faithfulness this morning. Uh, If you will, please stand with me. Almighty God, we praise you because we're able to look back in Scripture and see your faithfulness to the people of Israel and how you were present with them all through the wilderness. And Almighty God, we praise you because we're able to look at history and we're able to see how you've continued to work among your people how you've continued to provide, how you've continued to to grow your family, your kingdom. And we praise you as we recount your faithfulness. And Almighty God, we can look in our lives because you are a powerful God and also a personal God. And we can see how you've been faithful 
in our heritage, in, in our heroes, in high points, in hard times. We can look in all of those places, all of those markers, and we can see evidence of your presence, evidence of your faithfulness. And so we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Psalm 89.1 says, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness.